So three, two, well, two, one. Welcome to another live stream of talking about our current situation and using games to help us as a, maybe as a crutch in this situation. I'm Dustin from Board Game with Education. I have a really good friend with me, John Cassie, and he is from Game Level Learn. I'll let him introduce himself a little bit while I check on the stream, introduce the topic as well. Hey, Dustin, how's it going? Good, good. Sweet. So yeah, my name's John. I'm Cassie. I'm with uh, uh, Game Level Learn, of course. And you can see here on my shirt, I'm also with a school in Orange County, California called TVT, TVT Community Day School, where I am Director of Curriculum and Innovation. And I'm sure if you are an educator working uh, today, uh, you know, in the field, uh, you can appreciate that if you wear a hat like I do, uh, it's busy 10 or 11 hour days every day. Certainly, it has been since we went into oh, the distance learning environment nearly three weeks ago. Yeah, you guys, and, have you guys uh, had a spring break yet? No, spring break is Friday. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, praise, praise. <laughs> Whew, you know, but it, you know, in all fairness, uh, we had been planning for, for years for the kind of catastrophic, you know, must have a business continuity plan ready because we were expecting to need to be ready for a massive earthquake. Right. Well, the same basic conditions apply. You can't be on campus because something has happened. Well, instead of it being that campus is physically unsafe because it has been shaken by an earthquake, you know, we're in, you know, we're in this, it's socially unsafe, right? And uh, the school has done extraordinary work and my colleagues have been just over, over the top in terms of their uh, willingness to help each other. And the, the students are, are doing well. I, I mean, I teach a class of my own and they're, they're doing okay. Uh, hard to know how this will be when we get back from, from spring break and the longer it goes, the harder it gets, right? Which is kind of where, when you and I were talking about this, this is kind of how we ended up on this theme of the social environment of the classroom, right. classroom culture, right? Because a, a distance learning environment is a very different, a digitally mediated social space is very different than a, than a live, a physically right, mediated right. social space. And we were both sort of like, well, we, we ought to be thinking about that. And as we riffed on that idea, it, we sort of came to the conclusion that, well, we got a couple of tools in our toolkit that we might want to share with an audience. And that sort of brought us to this point because building a classroom culture in the first place, when you're an educator, I mean, that's the first thing you do in September. Right. Yeah. Right. Bring everyone together. Let's get this community going. And it's just harder to sustain you know, in a, in a, in a digital environment, not impossible. It's not a, it's not a fatal problem, right? But it's, it's trickier. Right. And so that brings us sort of to our, to our conversation, you know? Right. Yeah. And what's interesting is we, when we chatted, how we landed on games being a great motivator in this 
particular situation for classroom culture. In the past, right. I've used them as like engagement tools or um, mm -hmm. motivational tools, but now it, that's a longer project if you want to use games online for engagement or mm -hmm. uh, unless you already have something pre-planned that you've been doing online. Uh, so we, we kind of came up with the idea of doing games distantly to keep students and teachers connected. Right. Because one of the things that we know is that game environments create stimulating conversations. Right. And they create from emergent gameplay, they create rich and intriguing stories that people remember mm. forever. Right. Like you can ask students of mine who I taught coming up on 25 years ago now. <laughs> if they can remember things from classes that I taught them. And inevitably, they'll go back to game-based content. Right, right, right. And we all know if we've played any games, presumably if you're watching the stream, then you've, you've got an interest in it at least, right. of games where uh, a surprising outcome or reversal or advantage came out of nowhere. And that helps sustain and build your personal social environment, you know, your, you can, you can drop, this is where in-jokes come from, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. They come from this kind of place. Right. right. And, um, and students in classes are able to reference back to things that you said as a teacher or that a classmate said, and games can uniquely help bridge that, that gap in the lack of the physical connection by building a mental, like a cultural or social connection. They're, they're like threads that weave the story of the class together in a way that the, the, the digital environment maybe uh, in and of itself doesn't facilitate. Right, yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the, the challenge, I think, for a lot of teachers right now. Um, for sure. What, yeah. what are digital tools good at facilitating and where can we fill the gaps? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of them are really, really good at sustaining the day-to-day -day business of school, right? You know, the right. Google Classroom, uh, Google Meet, right? Uh, tools like Flipgrid, Seesaw, uh, VoiceThread, a Class Dojo, Edpuzzle. All of these tools are extremely helpful in building a learning environment that sustains the, you know, the learning, right? Right. So many times I've seen on, you know, the various social media channels, um, Maslow before Bloom, mm. right? Take care of your students' emotional lives right. first. No long-term harm will come from a, a, a delay in picking up how to do long division or right, not right, really right. doing, you know, the interwar period in European history as tightly as you might want to, right. right? It can all be, you know, when we get back to our regularly scheduled school, mm -hmm. we're going to assess where kids are, what the curriculum looks like, make decisions, backfill, repeat. We're, we're going to get there, right? Right. But what can't be done with these tools um, very effectively is 
keeping that connection and that engagement. So right, right. we hope to offer you some in the next 20, 30 minutes that might do the check, do the trick. Yeah, I'm excited to, to talk about a few. Um, For sure. I know I'm excited to talk about your the last one. I don't know if you yeah. want to share a little bit about it, but I guess we're going to do social games, um, like abstract games, and then RPG. So Yep, yep. And uh, we hope that uh, that you get, you know, as a... Uh, you know, as listeners and viewers, a couple of strategies that you might take and try them. Right. And let us know what, what you, uh, you know, what you take away from it. Yeah. Yeah. So Dustin, we're going to start, I think with you, right. And uh, a tool that both he and I have used to great effect called uh, Rory's story cubes. Rory's story cubes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if I have the picture here. Maybe let's see if I can pull it up. I don't know if I'll be able to pull it up. I thought I had it here. Oh no, it's gone. Oh no. Maybe if you want to talk about Storymatic, and I'll try to see if I can pull okay. up pull up the picture of Story. <laughs> okay. Cubes. So uh, here's one of the things that I think you want to take a look at if you can. Okay. It's called the Storymatic, and it's a you know, as it uh, as as it says on the box, six trillion stories in one little box. Which one will you tell? Now, what I love about Storymatic is that it has these kind of situations and people, like uh, uh, a person who asks what nobody ever asks, and then these kind of situation cards that are like a cemetery at five o'clock in the morning, okay? And the concept of the game, the way, that it's, the way that it's generally played is you take a couple of these cards, you mash them up and you sort of tell a story. And it's an exercise in, in story building and plotting and character development and what have you. But the version of the game that I want to encourage you all to play, if you get this game, and you really ought to, it's not very expensive. I think it's $20, $25 on you know, your... You're from your friendly local game store. Right. Support your friendly local game store. They need the business, right? <laughs> definitely, yeah. Um, definitely. Is called the Exquisite Storymatic. And it's basically like Exquisite Corpse for those of you who have uh, some, you know, kind of some knowledge of uh, Victorian party games. The basic idea here is that in this case, one person draws two uh, character cards and two uh, circumstance cards, the copper cards. And then that person begins a story by writing a sentence at the top of the sheet of paper, passing the paper to your left. So what ends up happening is, uh, and you could do this in a Google Doc, right? Super easy, right? What ends up happening is the class is engaged in collaboratively building the story and telling the story. Now, obviously, the act of building a story together is inherently community building okay particularly if the teacher frames it and structures it in a way that uh, that reinforces some of the classroom culture right. practices tendencies pre-existing traditions that are desired right 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 but in this case you get the best development of the culture from the meta conversation about where the story went and how it developed and all of that kind of thing, right? 
And if you inserted more cards or if you changed the story or if you made it harder or if you made it uh, uh, take strange sort of side quests or break the class into multiple groups, all starting from the same place, what you're looking for is emergence. Right. Something that comes from, from the act of doing the story. Right, right. That that uh, that will be the you know the business, right? Right. And so, uh, when when we were you know when we were talking about it, I was like, oh, dude, the storymatic, yeah. right? It's great for like uh, not only for classrooms but for sort of like advisories or uh, you know icebreaker kind of exercises. Right. Right. You know, right. When you want to create a culture, or if you want to sustain a culture. Right. Right. So, so that's my sort of first offering. Right. The storymatic. Storymatic. I haven't had a chance to play that, but I know I would enjoy to using it in my classroom, especially for language learning. I think um, the one that I was going to share is very similar. Let's see if the picture comes up here. I have it here. Right. I'm just going to see if it carries over. Maybe here. Yeah. Okay. It should be showing up there. Um, It's not as clean as I was hoping, but. It's down there on the bottom. Um, it's very similar to Storymatic, where it's a tool to help you create stories, and it's a set of dice. So on each mm. dice, you have different uh, little images. Um, a lot of times, my students would uh, say, I think in Taiwan, they called me Dustin Teacher. Uh, what, what, what is this image? So sometimes it's not very clear, which is, I think, kind of fun. With some of right. the dice, you can kind of decide what it is. Uh, right. I think online, it probably tells you exactly what it is. But uh, I had fun using it in my class, using it for writing as well as just language, um, kind of just being more comfortable speaking and asking students to use the dice to tell a story. Uh, so yeah. I, I thought that was really great when I used it in my normal instruction. And I think it's something that very similar to Storymatic where it can carry over into this digital environment where, I don't know, maybe you as a teacher, you roll the dice and you take a picture of all of the cubes. Um, You could maybe ask students to tell you how many times to roll it. Uh, There's a couple things you can play with as far as incorporating it online too. Mm -hmm. Um, I know we talked about like one thing I think would be really fun is a collaboration where students are given a set of dice and with that set of dice maybe two or three of them pair up and create a story and another two or three creating the same a different story with the same set of dice and you kind of see what story emerges from from those dice but yeah could couldn't agree more right it's the you know put 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 a partnership together roll the dice you take a picture of the dice right uh you know and you sort of send that you know, you project that into the whatever tool you're using, right? Right, Google Meet or uh, Classroom or Microsoft Teams, whatever, and and then give the students who uh, who are working in pairs. Okay, write me write me a story. Tell me a story based on these dice, and then again, you're back to that kind of notion of emergence, right? Right, right. and the playful fun of creating the story becomes what the what the class sort of remembers right right and you know if the teacher is seeing things in the classroom culture that are problematic well 
make the story about that, tell the story, and then reflect on it about what's not going the way that we might want in our in our digital classroom. Right. And hopefully that will raise the raise the bar a little bit, right? Or at least raise the awareness a little bit. Right. right? Yeah. So that so that they can work on it together to 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 get us back to where you know to get them back to where they they ought to be right right um you've used story cubes in an esl context yes yeah yeah that's where they're really good aren't they yeah yeah they're they, it was how my the best time using it was with my advanced students and they just loved writing the story like i think i did it as a kind of warm-up activity or not warm-up but like a class culture building activity where we did the first 20 minutes of class for a couple weeks and right. each week they didn't want to stop <laughs> they wanted to continue with writing the story it's like no well we have other things we have to take care of um right. feel free to work on it at home and go ahead and do that right on right. your own yeah right yeah i mean and and you know in in that regard you know in my experience i used rory story cubes when i taught game design okay as basically your warm-up Okay. Mm, okay. So, uh, if you're, when I taught role-playing design and video mm. game design, right? Cause what I wanted my students to do was design really rich, uh, kind of leveling or content experiences, right? Video games like, um, the last of us or red dead redemption, which have a lot of story. Yeah. Right. right. Well, you got to practice telling stories. Right. It's not something you can just kind of do, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a big part of modern-day video games now, right? The good ones are the ones with the really compelling storylines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of our kids who are middle or high school kids, you know, are playing them, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I think about... Uh, I don't, I don't know anything about this game. I don't know why I'm going to raise it, but <laughs> it is suddenly blown up all over my, my social media yeah. presence. Animal Crossing. Mm. I love that kid, that game as a kid, like Nintendo GameCube. It was on the GameCube maybe like, I want to say like 20 years ago now. Yeah. It's that old. Yeah. The first one. And I think they made another one for DS too, Nintendo DS. But yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's a really good game. I don't think I have enough time to play now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I did a little bit of reading about it. Yeah. When I, somehow I, I reached sort of like a critical threshold of my awareness. I'm like, why is everyone I know talking about this about, game? I don't know yeah. anything about this game, right? And But boy, it seems like if, you, if, if a number of your kids are using it, you could <laughs> pair them together in yeah. some way. Yeah, and the, what the characters are supposed to do and the actions they take and all that could really lead to some super interesting, right? Um, uh, you know, story development, right? But right. any of those kind of video games, yeah, and uh, uh, you you know, could could have started from five Rory story cubes, right? Right? Yeah. Right. Which ultimately is sort of the point I was you know trying to get my my students to understand, right? And at least in my experience, you know, my fellow educators, um, you know, maybe you don't do it every day, but throw, instead of throwing five dice or six, throw three, right? <laughs> if you've got younger students, yeah. just throw two, 
right? Uh, one of my favorite role-playing games of all time, Numenera, has a version basically for young kids called No Thank You Evil. Mm. And No Thank You Evil basically has a way of taking a very complicated and rich character generation system and just making it, okay, if you've got kids who are 10, take this out. Right. Seven, take this uh, out. Okay. Four, take this out. That's perfect, and yeah. You, you'll still have something to do, right? right? But yeah, just you know, take it out. You want to make storymatic more complicated. Well, put the put the character, the first character card you draw, give three contexts, right, rather than one, and that's you know that's where it'll be, right, right. right? Um, and it might be that you you know maybe you create some sort of a competitive framework for your students where, um, you know, if you're able, you roll the story cubes. It's like. I want this story to be about a leprechaun. And and if you can incorporate a leprechaun into this story in some way, you get five bonus points. You get it, yeah. Right, something, you know, it's that kind of thing that, right. that I find is is often highly motivating. What am I going to spend those bonus points on, Dr. Cassie? Oh, nothing. <laughs> you know, in, in order to buy any extra credit in this class, it will cost you 10 million bonus Most points. points. <laughs> You're only getting them 10 at a time. So, you know. That kind of thing. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, in addition to Rory Story Cubes, Storymatic, and other like products, okay? Right. When Dustin and I were talking last week, uh, it occurred to me that maybe what might be beneficial if I could figure out how to do it was something akin to a fairly typical tabletop role-playing game, but which might be playable with very large groups mm. and or playable over a, a lengthier period of time so that a longer-term narrative might develop. Right. Okay? And as I was chewing this over... I'm excited about, for this. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about this with uh, you know Dustin and uh, some other friends it occurred to me that there might be a, st a role-playing engine here. And so starting a week ago, and it <laughs> just came out today. So this is a crazy, pro it's only 2,500 words, but you know, this was a, you know, right. a pretty crazy project that I just worked on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called When at Last We Are Together Again, a role-playing game of separation, support, and reunion. So basically here's the idea. It's a simple, card-based storytelling role-playing game that a very large group could conceivably play. Essentially, you start the game by separating all of the players from each other. Mm. And the gameplay is, is really straightforward uh, because essentially what's gonna happen on a given turn is the person running the game, the teacher, the game master, is going to flip a card from a standard card deck of which you've stripped out the diamonds and the spades. Okay, so you right. only have the two, the hearts and the clubs. Okay, right. Which is perfect. The teacher's too. going to turn over a card, right? Because it's it's the, you you have equipment if on hand. Somebody has a deck of cards at home, right? Yeah. Full stop, right? And if yeah. you don't, you could go online and get a simulator, right? <laughs> right? But everyone's got a deck of cards, right? Right. So the basic idea is 
you've got a group of people and they're separated. And let me read to you uh, the, um, the separation story, term yeah. one, okay? You are one member of a class of students visiting the Natural History Museum on a field trip to the big city. After visiting the whole museum and having a big lunch, it's time for you all to leave the museum and go back home. As you're walking towards the big revolving door, you see a kindly old man standing beside a huge stone golden star embedded in the floor. He says, step on my magic star, go through the revolving door and enjoy the adventure. With a musical voice, you think momentarily that this is silly, but why not? You watch your friend step on the star, the kindly old man smiling each time and you exit the museum. When you step on the magic star, you get a strange energetic feeling in your feet. As you go through the revolving door, you feel momentarily disoriented. When you exit the museum, you find yourself not in the city, but on a dusty dirt pathway cutting through miles and miles of open field. Wildly looking around you, you see only a fork in the road in front of you. Go left, go right, go backwards, but not the city and none of your friends. You feel alone and momentarily frightened, but in the distance you see a mountain from which shines a beacon of light. It lifts your spirits, gives you a sense of perspective and direction. Going backwards is rarely the right answer to any question, but it's clearly the wrong one here. Left or right, both seem equally promising, so you choose one and set off. The game master should now draw awesome. the first card from the deck. Okay, so everyone starts the same way. Right. Now, the game master flips a card. Okay, and let's say the game master uh, flips the two of hearts. Okay, the game master then reads. The teacher then reads this text, and it's in a chart in the in the book. Okay, right, right. While traveling on the road, quite near to a beach, you encounter a family of talking mice who offer you some sweet-smelling cupcakes if you will help them locate their missing uncle, who wandered off in the night. Do you look for the missing uncle on the beach or in the fields? Okay. Now, what happens at this point is all of the players write a sentence or two, not comp not long, just a sentence or two, about what they would do. Okay. Everyone finishes. You share out. Okay. Everyone shares. Before the game started, the teacher will have assigned every card, two of hearts, three of hearts, four of hearts, to one player, okay? Right. The two of hearts is the card drawn. Everyone shares the two of, the player with the two of hearts, the teacher says, hey, Dustin, you're the two of hearts. Read what you did again, okay? You read it and the teacher says, class, what does Dustin need to think about? What does he need to know? What has he missed? Give him some help. Support him. Okay. Right, right. The class writes a sentence, just one. Okay. Everyone reads it. The teacher then asks you, all right, well, what do you do? Uncle on the beach or in the fields? Right, right. You make a decision. Yeah. The teacher tells you what resolves. Like, a, like in any other story, right? And then you go to the next player. Right. Okay? So it's a very simple storytelling game in yeah. which everyone is writing and, and generating the story on their own. But every now and again, you have the opportunity to get... Imagine the voices of your friends in your head. <laughs> Gee, Dustin, that's not a good idea. You ought to do this instead, right? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, the six of hearts. You find yourself in a comfortable inn for the evening and the barman asks you to sing a song to the rest of the guests, share your story. Do you sing a happy song or a sad one? Yeah. So so it's it's, it's stuff like that. I love right? how it focuses on one student at different times. Like that, I think that's perfect because then um, everyone has an opportunity and they're all playing in the game, but there's right. that one moment where you are the focus of what's going on. And right. I think that's right. really cool. Right, because one of the hardest things to do in a role-playing game with more than five or six people is mm. ever to generate focus. Right. Right? So making it part of the game's mechanic was, to, to my way of thinking, the right way, right? Right. Um, I'm envisioning... You know, I, what I what I've indicated in the rules is uh, the game should resolve after fifteen turns, or it can resolve when when it resolves. Right. So you play it now. Imagine starting your class with this game. It would take 10, 12 minutes maybe to play. Right. But the longer you play, the more engaged students would be. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if at day nine you get to go back to live school. You do the resolution quest, mm -hmm. which involves a slightly longer reflection, right? Right. And what the player then has is a digital or a physical in a journal story of everything that they did that they can refer back to. Yeah, right? that's really cool. And games like this that I've played in the past, it's that digital, it's that journal that referring back to it's like, that's oh, fun. wow, we yeah. did do fun that, didn't back. we? Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, so so that's what I sort of threw together. Yeah, I um, added it in the comments too. So thanks, man. I was wondering. Yeah, it's available at uh, DriveThruRPG, uh, which, you know, can, allows people to publish, you know, these kind of, you know, PDFs that are free to download. Um, right. You know, it's called When at Last We Are Together Again. Um, on DriveThruRPG, it's it's free to download. Um, you know, if you can throw a tip in there, if you are so inclined, you know, yeah. or drop a buck or two in, uh, you know, as you as you are interested, if you wish, right, no need right. to. Um, and if you play it, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are because again, it felt to me like the urgency of the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Requires get the product out. Right. It's it's a well, it's a beta. Yeah. There's the right? there's a meme that's going around. It's like. Uh... So-and-so famous people created these works of art during different pandemics. I don't know how true this meme is because I didn't go look at the research, but right, yeah, it's, it's one of those moments. <laughs> right, right. The classic example of that is Giovanni Boccaccio's Decameron. Okay. Right, uh, which he almost certainly wrote uh, around the time of the Black Death. And uh, okay. it's set basically in a you know, in a, in an isolated country manor oh. outside of Florence. Yeah. And, and you know, I, clearly maybe I had that in my head as I was writing this because the <laughs> characters, the characters, there are 10 of them each day. They tell each other one story. Okay. Okay. Right. So for cool. 10 days, 10 stories, a hundred stories. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so so that's where, you know, that's where kind of my, you know, when I was done from work last right. week, I would, you know, get a snack and then I would kind of work on this Tinker. thing. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. 
Um, and by all means, you know, have your kids design their own game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot to be said for game design as a, uh, you know, as a way of 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 building connection. Right. Oh yeah. Right? So yeah. I think about as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's what because I do some design of games. It's very very hobby right now, or I create right. like educational games, but. I've been wanting to maybe start a game design guild online, but I've never done it before, so it, it might be a lot of work. <laughs> it sure would be. Yeah, uh, I've done a little bit of that uh, when I was back in Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. And um, it, it's nice to have a community place to go. Right. Right. To to share and collaborate, to riff. Um, right. But. It's hard. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of what we wanted to share with you all. Right. Um, we'd love to hear if you have other role-playing game ideas or if you have other perspectives yeah. on using games to to sustain culture. You know, I mean, three tools is probably enough yeah. for us to push out. <laughs> yeah. We could have pushed out a dozen more, but right. you know, I mean, start with these. That's what we talked about when we were discussing this week is we're also in this new situation and we've used games before, but we've never used games online. And right. even looking at the board game hobby, I was just watching a video, like 10 games to play remotely with friends, 10 board games to play remotely with friends. And it's really trying to be creative at how to use the games because you have to sure. probably modify some of the rules um, to be able to play mm-hmm. remotely. So it's, a, I think, a unique puzzle to figure out. Indeed, but an exciting one. Right. Right. Yeah, particularly if you're not using like um, Tabletop Simulator or Roll20 or, you know, a Board Game right. Arena, right? right. All right. of which are porting physical content into a digital space with varying degrees of sort of success and effectiveness, right? Right. Um, but yeah, I've, I've used all of those tools. They're all good in their own way. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and I've game mastered for years by means of Google Hangouts or Zoom or Skype. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Right. If everyone's got the rule book, you know, I'm game master. I'm gaming with adults. You know, I'm presuming that their die rolls are not cheaty. <laughs> right, right. Right. I mean, you just wreck the story if you're going to cheat. Yeah, right, you know? right. And we're in it for the story, right? right. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well. Yeah. Thank you so much, John, for chatting. I think this was, I mean, super productive for me meeting with you throughout this week too. Um, just thinking about this, right, same. this yeah. uh, the situation we're in. And next, uh, this week I start meeting with students, um, likely to be supporting some students one-on-one. And I'm trying yeah. to consider, how, well, can games play a role in this situation right now? Because we're, it's more a support role with these students right. with helping right. them catch up on some of their academic work. Um, or just checking in with students too. So, right. Yeah, and thank you for for chatting. I think it was super super helpful for me. I hope anyone watching or listening gained something out of it too. Let's hope so. Drop some comments in the uh, in the Facebook thread uh, on Game Level Learn on board games uh, board gaming with education. You can reach me at uh, John Cassie at Gmail. Um. I always answer. I always answer. 
People are always shocked. They write. <laughs> I always say, yeah, write me. And right, when I write right. back, I never thought you'd write back. Right. Yeah. <laughs> why, why, why'd you write me then? You know, I said I would write back, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, reach out for sure. Yeah, reach out for sure. And if you're in, uh, if you're in Southern California, oh yeah, both Dustin and I are in Southern California. Yeah, social and, distancing uh, now though. But. <laughs> right, we're social distancing now. Um, but uh, but but back in the uh, you know back in the the days you know BC before coronavirus you know right. we we yeah. we're getting together live and we'd like, love to play some games with you if you're in Southern California. Yeah, definitely. You know, and uh, to hear your thoughts and to see your faces and you know. Let's build the community, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So thanks, man. Awesome. Yeah, it. thank you, John. I'm going to just end it here. Okay. Cheers. Um, if I can find the end button. <laughs> Maybe. You just got to keep smiling until I end. Okay, I, I, can, I can stretch. I've been on television. <laughs> it's stretch, right? <laughs>